Blog Talk Radio. Let me tell you about something new. A new show called G's Power. G's Power. Real talk for real saints. Are you ready? And it's for real. Welcome to G's Power Hour live every weekday at 11.30 a.m. on Never Had It So Good Entertainment Network. Your host, G, will bring you informative and entertaining guests and a variety of topics in a way that you can absorb and enjoy. Listen in weekdays and call in at 516-387-1944. We love interaction. All shows can be downloaded if you miss one or found on iTunes the next day. G's Power Hour is powered by Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network. Well, good Friday morning, brothers and sisters, kings and queens, angels and saints, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today and hope you're enjoying or at least, you know, got plans to enjoy a wonderful, fantastic, fun-filled Friday and rest of the weekend. So let's get started because it is the first Friday of the month and we do talk economics because that is what kind of drives things around here, you know, food, clothing, shelter, and all that kind of stuff, gas, whatever. And so we are pleased to bring back Mr. Paul V. Shelton of Warwick Shores. Hi, how are you? I'm well. How are you doing today? Good morning. Good morning. I know you're hustling today. Um, although, like the song says, every day I'm hustling, I'm sure you are too. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Never a dull so, moment. No, no. But, you know, and and that's the thing. It's like, you know, some people are saying, I hear people say, I'm bored. I'm like, really? Seriously? <laughs> this yeah. is too much. There's too much out there. So, how you been? What's going on? Ah, I've been good. Been busy. There's been been a, a lot of things going on. A lot of uh, moving parts uh, professionally and 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 just and different things uh, just happening. But all all good things. Been in this uh, this fourth quarter is, is, has always been my favorite part of uh, and favorite time of the year. Favorite season. You know, I, I'm mm. kind of partial towards the holiday season. So. Recently, yeah. I've been uh, spending our being more. I always do it, but being more intentional about trying to find festivals or things or that we can take the kids to 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 just create more of those family memories. I think it finally hit me that my my oldest is twelve now, and Uh-oh. the countdown is on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the countdown yeah, is yeah. on. He's, he's He's talking about, you know, progressing on and doing other stuff, so. Yeah, and, uh, you know, of course, you know, it's that teens thing, getting into the teens and, oh, can we go go spend time with my friends? Is is that happening? Yeah. Oh, yeah, (laughs) it's it's definitely kicking in. Last night we went to the uh, UCF um, basketball program for men's and women's they had their the opening classic which was uh free and great event they had a lot of giveaways and different stuff like that and and i'm there with the kids and then you know three seats away from all of us you know my 12 year old's on his cell phone and just totally in his own world uh-huh. <laughs> and then i mentioned it to him and he was like no i enjoyed it i had a great time i was like you don't even remember what happened but <laughs> nonetheless it's uh it's part of life. It's part of evolution and the growth of uh, of we all do it and get to that point where we're yeah. developing our own identity and and growing. So it's something that's exciting uh, to see yeah. and and kind of you know an awakening moment as well. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, there, you're right though. This is that time of year. There's a lot of um, interesting things out there. I saw something on Groupon for, I guess, the ice show at Gaylord Palms. That's always really a nice thing, you know, yeah, that comes up around yeah. this time of year. And then tonight they have, you know, the the movie at Lou Gardens. They do the movie the first Friday of the month at Lou Gardens. Okay. It's, it's, not, it's not free. Well, it's, if you have a membership, you can get in. But uh, it's relatively cheap. They're showing, like, and they don't show, like, the new movies, but they show fun movies. Like tonight it's Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. So you know, okay. you can 
you know, take a blanket or take lawn chairs and, and you know, you can take your own food and, and stuff like that and go out and just, just chill, you know, on the lawn with everybody else and watch the movie, have a good old time. And, and if you go early yeah. enough, you get a chance to tour the gardens, which is really pretty. So Awesome. Yeah. So, <laughs> down to business. Um, what What is going on? Um, I heard or caught a glimpse of a headline about an economic summit of the Americas that um, our President um, Biden is hosting. Uh, what can you tell us about that, and why is that so significant? Well, I had not heard about that yet, so I saw that you know come across recently. Um, mm. so I'm not too familiar exactly what the, the thesis will be and, and what will be discussed there, but I will say as an overarching theme, there are a lot of, I would say, tentacles that are in the economy right now globally that could mm-hmm. be, you know, a catalyst for um, something much bigger to take place. You know, on the home front, uh, we're, we're battling inflation, which many economies around the globe are battling inflation. Uh, seems like we're at a point where inflation is starting to look very transitory, like the Federal Reserve said initially. Um, Things are starting to pull back in certain cases, not everywhere, but we're starting to see somewhat some downshifts and costs. Um, And a lot of that is playing out in last month's um, read of economic data and and labor costs. But when I speak about the tentacles that are kind of spread out across the, the world as economic levers, um, you have the, the war um, in Israel right now, the Israel-Hamas war that's taking place. We still have the conflict between Russia and Ukraine that has taken place. And, and something to note about that, if we do, um, as we are here in a, in a regime of higher interest rates and in a regime of higher for longer interest rates to help combat inflation, um, if there is an escalation, um, particularly in the Israel-Hamas conflict, um, that could be very disruptive to the energy grid and, and very disruptive to that inflation, inflation play and, um, and cause, you know, further capitulation in that manner. So those are, are things to, to definitely look out for and definitely, you know, to watch for in the, uh, in the coming months. So I would assume, um, and I, not knowing this agenda, you know, fully yet, but I would assume that there would be a uh, significant focus on the geopolitical events that are taking place around the globe and Mm -hmm. correlate and correlating that to how we're going to be able to, in in the Americas, be able to position ourselves for the next 10, 20, 30 years um, to be continuously the, the thriving, um, the thriving marks in the global economy. So, um, it, yeah, there's a, like you said, a lot of moving parts. Um, yeah. I wanted to, I wanted to kind of go back to the the summit just briefly. Not, I mean, not necessarily knowing a whole lot about it, but the fact that one of the things that I kind of read briefly when I saw it was that uh, apparently. In the the Southern Americas, uh, China is their, I guess, major economic partner. And I I just was like, you know, so is this a reactive type of thing to try to, you know, strengthen ties with the Southern Americas? Because, I mean, you you would think that we would just by virtue of, I was going to say, geography, that we would already Correct. have strong economic ties, and and yet we're not their their primary you know major power in terms of of you know trade, but China is. So, so do you think that that's part of the reason, or is there something uh, else going on? I know one of they met. I guess uh, the president met yesterday with um, the Dominican Republic uh, president. Um, and just try to strengthen some ties, um, and I guess also uh, because they're, um, I guess, close to Haiti and concerned about Haiti, that, uh, you know, the security in Haiti, that this this is one of the things that they were discussing. They say this is the first 
time that they've, um, uh, I guess, first bilateral meeting that they've had. Um, so, I mean, what kind of things do you think will, will come out of that? Do you think there will be actually more trade? And I guess also, too, my question is with us trying to strengthen the border, our southern border, and prevent a lot of people from the southern Americas, it seems, coming over into, you know, the United States, Uh isn't that kind of a – I just think that's kind of an odd situation that, yeah, you know, we, we want to do business with you, but we don't necessarily want to have a lot of your uh, uh, citizens coming into our country. Uh, yeah, so I guess when you're looking at the Americas all across, um, you know, all the, the three primary areas, you know, North America, Central and South America, inclusive of Canada, all the way down, you know, through um, South America and through the tip. So it's no no secret that China has been a big partner in that area, not only um, in the Americas, but also in the Caribbean. I know, you know, in countries like Jamaica and different places of that nature, um, and the Bahamas. In too, right? Correct. China has has made a, a significant investment and, and a significant stronghold in those areas. So it would be very prudent, you know, from a you know uh, a geography and from an economic and from a defense standpoint to make sure that we are you know part of the conversation that's being had at that table. Um, you know, you, you never want to uh, have a, a power such as China which, you know, you can question at many times their motives and the um, the validity of the information that they disseminate to us. You never really want to have questions around that on a grander scale, especially if that's um, on your borders. So, you know, I, I would I would hope that this wouldn't just be a knee-jerk reaction and say, oh, we, we just now noticed that after – 30, 40 years that, you know, China is, is building up strength in this area, but unfortunately that, that may be essentially what it is. So do you think this is more of a security move than an economic move, but it's under the under the guise of economics? I think it possibly could be. It, it, it very well could be um, more security-driven um, of, of course, there's the benefits of economics and the benefits of security there, too. Oh, yeah. and, and one thing I always tell um, individuals and, and people whenever I speak with them, just on a financial planning note, is uh, you always want to have security um, in your finances. When you find security in your finances, um, you'll find comfort there. So those security and, ec- and economics go hand in hand. So essentially, mm-hmm. once you uh, you figure out um, who the major players are, are the major stakeholders in this situation, um, then the secure, security parameters will identify themselves. Okay. All right. So, so it's, it, we, it's, just, it's I just found it kind of kind of interesting. It's like, oh, now we want to do business with you know this country, that country, and the other country. Um, you know, Correct. yeah, it just, it just seemed a little, the timing just seemed a little weird. And, and I, and we really, I think have to have, uh, I don't know, better economic strategies, uh, and security strategies, a better strategy so that we're, we're not so reactive, um, to, to situations. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's one thing that I, I agree with a hundred percent and I've, I've always, uh, always said that, you know, we should be a little bit better in that respect. Unfortunately, um, every four years is a new economic regime, our new presidential or political regime. Um, even mm-hmm. if there is, and sometimes every two years, even even if you do have a president that's reelected and has served two terms, full two, a full two terms, um, oftentimes the, the cabinet looks different. Um, those that are uh, in the Senate and, and whoever is in, in charge, you know, in the House and the Senate, 
I mean, Congress will change and will look different. And we often spend more time voting for a new candidate, appointing a new candidate or a new person to a situation as opposed to having someone with significant tenure in that role that can push for a solid economic policy. Um, so, unfortunately, this is just a, a beneficiary of, of what we are, how our, our system is set up, because unfortunately we're not going to, and I, I would never want to go to having a, a president in place and power for 10 years consecutive um, mm-hmm. or anything like that without mm-hmm. being voted upon, because that just leads to, you know, security issues on so many different levels. Um, but, you know, you, you, you may have an economic advisor that, that changes jobs every, you know, two years or, or someone new that's brought in. So it's hard to really put together a plan and stick to it. When you look at it from a corporate finance standpoint, many organizations um, set up a strategic plan for the organization that forecasts out five years, sometimes 10 years into the future um, and plays different scenarios. In, in those five years and 10 years and say, you know, if revenue is here, how do we respond? Or if there's new entrance to the market, how do we respond? If there's, you know, barriers for us to grow into new markets, how do we respond? Um, and the, the way that corporate America works mm-hmm. and the way that our economy works uh, just doesn't have the benefit of, of being able to forecast in that range, even when you do have a Federal Reserve or a Treasury Secretary that is stagnant and, and in place for a significant period of time. Um, I wanted, I, I know I'm kind of veering off a little bit, but I, it was another article that, that caught my eye uh, this morning when I was kind of trying to glean some stuff. Um, it was uh, an article that talked about a, a place in Florida called Callaway and um, how it's growing in by virtue of, I guess, people moving there that they're bringing uh, different um, – uh, it says new businesses are bringing economic growth to this particular area. So I wanted to ask you, how if you have, let's say, a small place – um, and you're gr- trying to grow the economy. Do, do you? I, I guess what I wanted to find out: Do people moving to a particular area drive business coming to that area, or does business coming to a particular area drive growth of population in the economy? Which kind of? I, I think it's, it's kind of one of those chicken yeah. and egg type of questions. <laughs> it is. It is, and that's a very good question. That's something that. Um, you know what I've seen in the past is is the the um, what you mentioned first. You know, once you have population, once you have homes built in the area, um, then businesses will come and backfill. Um, you'll have more economic development that takes place there thereafter. Um, I know, you know, from the standpoint of you know the credit union um, being associated there and and trying to bring uh, more economic development into um, Eatonville, a lot of pushback that we received, or at least that I received personally, is that um, many uh, retailers, whether it's grocery stores or, or retailers or, you know, restaurants and anything, did not want to infiltrate into the area because they didn't feel it was economically feasible. So you, you, I, I see that a lot, um, not only in the, the minority communities, um, which is really bad to see it, and I hate seeing this in the minority communities because it creates food deserts. Um, but you see this in other areas when you look at the other end of the spectrum, um, like Lake Nona, and you see all the growth and development mm-hmm. that has taken there, taken place there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been a, a surge of people that have moved to that 17-square-mile area and um, house prices have ballooned significantly in that area. And as a result, you have a lot more businesses that say, hey, we want to be a part of this. We want to be in the middle of that action that's taking place there. And um, you have hotels that are, are, are coming in there. You have other, you know, beauty salons and um, all mm-hmm. sorts of services um, such as, you know, optometry, dentistry, and different things of that nature that are coming into the area um, based on the growth 
of of um of the area and the growth of the population in the area. So, you well, know, now, to me and I'm just throwing this out there, it seems like there is a, di- a significant difference though between the growth of Eatonville versus the growth of Lake Nona. Because, for example, Eatonville has this historic, you know, character, this historic significance. And when you have businesses, I think, moving into an area like that, you have to kind of respect what comes with that area, the historical perspective and significance, um, and not necessarily change change it so much. Like, for example, you may want to have a, a, a business come in there uh, like, you know, uh, and I was gonna, I'm just throwing this out. No, I'm not going to even name a name. And, and they already have one business there that I know of that, that came to that area. And, and But I, I would have liked to have seen it, for example, maybe exhibit some, um, I guess, historic, charm or characteristic in its exterior structure when they built it, you know, for example, and I guess I'm talking about the family dollar right now, family dollar came to Eatonville, which is, is, is great because, you know, otherwise for the most part, you have to go outside of Eatonville to, to get certain things. But I would have liked to have seen when they built it, maybe have a, a different exterior structure and character with that as versus, Lake Nona, which pretty much started from scratch, and in my opinion, was kind of designed to be um, an upscale type of uh, economy, and um, you know, have that kind of upscale upscale type of uh, character. You know, there's no historical uh, perspective to worry about over there. Basically, they're creating their own. Um, you know, visual over there. Yeah, correct. Yeah, I agree. That's uh that's a very yeah, very good call out there. You know, from a, a corporate standpoint, like with the family dollar specifically and um a lot of their infrastructure is set in place. Um so if there mm-hmm. isn't a a um if there isn't code that requires this, a, a particular structure um, to look or, you know, have a certain facade, which I know that Eaton Hill hasn't had that, and um, that's one of the things that I, I mentioned and kind of provided feedback on, um, then mm-hmm. you will have different viewpoints and different looks of the, the facilities that come into in, into the town. And, and that's something that's just, you know, structurally there for most corporations. They don't shift up you know, for all their stores to look synchronized, you know, from a visual standpoint. Um, you know, Starbucks does, Burger King does, McDonald's does, Chick-fil-A does. And um, you can have some, some architectural changes that do take place in that respect. But from the mm-hmm. most part, those, um, those areas stay somewhat uh, architecturally the same when it comes to that. Well, I'm, I'm thinking, though, if there was such a, I guess you could say, code that, you know, you have to be architecturally in keeping. Um, I think, for example, I think Winter, Winter Garden is one of those places where, they, I mean, it's a vibrant area, but it's very, you know, uh, the, the character of downtown Winter Garden, and, and you know, outer, outer areas are different, but the character of downtown Winter Garden is definitely, you know, small town character type. You know, and they, they've made a point to keep it that way, and that's part of its draw. So. Yeah, and I agree, and I like that too. Yeah, and I, I've seen it in other areas that are um, on a different spectrum of the, of the wealth stratosphere, you know, that have um, a Burger King or Bank of America or something where they conform to the architectural structure of that area just based on, mm-hmm. on the – the landscaping of the code and things. And I, I think specifically with Eatonville, just from being able to unravel um, some some layers of that onion, uh, there is a uh, there 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 is a lack of the 
sophistication when it comes to the um, the code in in that respect. I think Eatonville has been in, a, in an area or in a situation where they desire to get industries and business to come to them that they are not positioned to demand certain requirements um, to to get those those corporations there. Now they do have a new. Um, I believe city manager, I'm not sure exactly what his title is, but Demetrius Presley, who has been very good in planning and zoning and a lot of those things, and he's done that for the city of, of uh, the land historically. Um, mm-hmm. I believe he's been in almost a year now. So, you know, some of those architectural things that you talk about, such as the streetscape, like I would love to see the streetscape updated um, down mm-hmm. Kennedy Boulevard and, and there be a little bit more um, – of a pleasing um, environment as you enter into the city. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, some things just take, I guess, uh, a, a little more, you know, time and planning. But you know, that hopefully that that will emerge. And um, because, like I said, there are other places too. Um, another example that I was thinking of is um, Baldwin Park, um, which mm. you know used to be what old naval base, and they they. Correct. So there's really like that, really nothing there in terms of you know having having any type of a draw in terms of you know housing. So that got I guess completely uh, re- reconfigured, and so but this has a certain character, you know, in terms of how the houses look and how and how the businesses in that um, I guess you could say downtown area of Baldwin Park or your main street area of Baldwin Park, you know, there are, like you were talking about, uh, banks, uh, pharmacies, whatever, but they all have the character of that area. Yeah, the architectural code, yeah, they fall into yeah. it. That's correct. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I know we've gotten way off track, but, uh, you know, I, I just wanted to um, address some of those things. Um, and like I said, because I, I saw this and I'm like, okay, so if you just, if you have a bunch of people that gather into a certain area, so it's, it's, the, it's the people that I guess kind of drive the economy in terms of, you know, we, we all decide to move into this area of land. Oh, we need, um, uh, we need a, a store. We need a bank. We need schools. We need police department, you know, and so, you know, it, it emerges from there, I guess. Correct. Yeah, and it's just like the the old school Sim City, the game I used to play many many moons ago, where you get to design and and build your own city and um, get to you know re, re, build a the police department, and fire department, and all those things, different things, and all those things don't come about until there's a population there to to really drive it. So, okay, interesting. So. So now, um, out the, what about the feds? What's going on with them these days? What's that? The feds. Oh, the Fed, the Federal Reserve. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so right now, on, on Wednesday, they had that Federal Open Market Committee meeting, uh, and they decided, as everyone expected, to keep rates where they are right now. Kind of gave a signaling that we may be towards the end of this rate hiking regime. They didn't openly come out and say that. You know, they'll they'll never uh, be too direct. They'll never say that's it. it. <laughs> yeah, because then you know that'll that'll you know shoot the markets one way or the other, and it can be mm-hmm. looked at a, as a form of manipulation. And so they'll they'll give some highlights and thoughts about how they feel, but they, he'll always say we'll remain and keep the door open um, for future you know, monetary market maneuvers as needed. Uh, but I believe many of Wall Street believes that the Federal Reserve is, is done with this rate hiking regime, regime unless something significantly um, falls off the rail, such as a, uh, you know, a catalyst or a spike in, in energy costs that will, you know, hurt the infrastructure. And, and that could be done, as I mentioned before, with the conflict in, in uh, Israel right now. But if you look at the response that the market has had this over the last, you know, four trading days of, of this month, um, 
we have been extremely resilient and, and we pushed forth out of correction territory and have climbed by, you know, almost three and a half percent since Monday. Um, and a, and a, a large chunk of that took place Wednesday afternoon after Jerome Powell spoke at 2.30 p.m. and carried through mm-hmm. until Friday. And, and, and as I look at the charts right now and as the economic data is coming out, um, we're pushing even higher right now in the free market. So the market is poised to open up another uh, 1% as, as we look at it right now. It's not more when it opens in an hour at 930. But what it does mm-hmm. show, and, and as the numbers are coming out and I'm looking for it, it, it looks like, the, um, and at the same time, we're getting the unemployment information for, for Canada, which is always released at the same time as ours. But we do see mm-hmm. that uh, the unemployment rate did tick up slightly from 3.8 to 3.9 percent. Um, average hourly earnings month over month increased by two basis points, um, but that was versus a, an expectation of an increase of three basis points. The average hourly earnings, which is year over year instead of monthly, um, has increased by 4.1 percent, and the participation rate. Um, has roughly stayed the same at 62.7%, just down just so slightly. Average work week stays the same. Um, one thing to note out of this as I'm looking through the data is the government payrolls um, have increased uh, um, by 51,000. So there was an the expectation that there would be an increase of 29,000 in government payroll. So with that, as I kind of mentioned before, we're having more people that are shifting, you know, towards government uh, jobs. Um, the government can't hire everyone, so you'll get to a point where if, if a lot of job gains are, are coming from the government, um, then that's not going to uh, not going to be sustainable, you know, for the long term. And you typically see the government hire um, jobs, start to lead job growth at the end of a cycle. So it's very possible that we are truly economically at the end of this rate hiking cycle. Um, from an overall standpoint, there was a consensus or expectation that there would be 158,000 jobs added to the economy, and we came in right at 99,000. So that's, that's 59,000 less than expectations, which typically if you're an economy that's struggling, that is a scary thing to think that, hey, we added um, – less jobs than we needed. But in the current situation that we are in and trying to combat inflation, um, having a lesser amount of jobs added to the payroll, especially when you're already at full employment in the economy and have been at full employment for quite some time, is a very, very um, healthy thing to see. So that says to the Federal Reserve, hey, Fed, you do not have to raise interest rates um, again or, or continue to press the gas on, on interest rates, on raising rates. So in tandem, what that does is, as I can see right now, the 10-year Treasury is down. Um, 30-year bonds are down. Uh, five-year and two-year, everything on the yield curve is, is trending down. All those yields are coming down, which will translate for us as consumers as hopefully we'll, you know, the, the banks will follow suit and we'll get some lower interest rates into our economy over time, which will help uh, with easing some of that in, that inflation burden that are out there. We're going to take a quick break. We are talking economics with Paul D. Shelton of Warwick Shore Advisors. And this is G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment, and we will be right back. Hi, I'm Tim Garrison. Uh, you may know me as Timmy G. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's been two decades, but I want you to know I'm back in the arts And I've got a mix of music that can help you relax and chill out. It's smooth. It's relaxing. It's chill out jazz. The soulful mix of smooth jazz, soul, and smooth R&B. So join me every Wednesday night, 10 p.m. to midnight, on KHAM Radio. Are you? 
Over the past 60 years, Dove Beauty Bar's superior formula has remained unchanged. But when it comes to beauty, everything changed. Together, we redefined beauty. We said no to stereotypes and yes to every type. We let go of judgments and embraced what makes us unique. We're proud to have been there with you, caring for you every step of the way. Here's to the next 60 years. Good afternoon. Welcome back to G's Power Hour. I've never had it so good entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. We're talking over economics with Paul Z. Shelton, Jr. of Warwick Shore Advisors. And if you have questions or comments, the number is 516. No, you can't do that today. I'm sorry. We are pre-recording today. If you do have questions or comments, however, hit me up on the G's Power Hour Facebook page. If you have any questions, I'll pass them on to Paul, and we can cover them um, in our next uh, interview with him. And so I uh, wanted to ask you a little bit about uh, I, I wanted to kind of go back to Israel and the uh, the tapping in of IRS funds to pay for Israel. What is that about? I just that kind of yeah, threw so me that, a little bit. Yeah, so there is a uh, a, a desire, and it, and one of the things that uh that the United States has done and has always done is it's kind of be the lender to the world. Um, the police to the world, the big brother to the world, and, and in doing so, um, it, it becomes very costly. So with the, the mindset of providing economic aid and, and support um, to Israel uh, as well as Ukraine, uh, we're kind of underwriting some of these conflicts and things that are taking place there uh, financially. Now, that puts a, a burden on us as well. You know, uh, you, we always think that, you know, granddaddy is, is rich and they'll be rich forever, which, you know, we, we're a very <laughs> strong economy. Uh, we're, we're very good, and, and we are the de facto currency for the, the globe. Um, but at the same time, our financial infrastructure, when you look at things such as Social Security, um, is taking a hit, and it's, it's not growing and keeping up with the amount of spending that is taking place. And so there are some there are some serious questions that that have to that have to arise and 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 really you know really be understood um, as we take on more economic burdens um, from around the globe on on the backs of the American taxpayers. Are we taking this on because? Um, we we can do it, or are we taking this on because in the past we have said yes, we will do it, but in in all honesty, you really can't afford to do it. Yeah, and and I think that's one thing that the uh, I think it's a little of both, probably more sixty to sixty five percent of column B on there. Um, that that's one thing that. We would never want to say, you know, you, you never, you know, tell your neighbors, hey, I need to save money. I can't afford this right now. So I dare not say that America is keeping up with the Joneses, but we are in a position um, where if, if we were a corporation and, and we had the balance sheet that America has with the debt that we have, um, we would tell that person that's knocking on our door asking us to help them pay their bills, we would possibly tell them no. Um, but because we are America and, and everyone looks at us as a de facto, we always seem to come up with a, a solution for everyone else, you know, outside of the world when they're going through times of conflict like this and, and severe times of, of conflict, which I, I am a proponent for providing aid and, and for helping people. You know, I, I have a strong humanitarian sense. You know, I, I, I love people, and I, I want to help them. But even me personally, you know, sometimes I, I have to, to say no. And, and I had a conversation um, with an individual earlier this week, um, and, I you know, the conversation I, I shared with her that, you know, there's nothing wrong with saying no. There, there isn't anything, you know, wrong with saying no. If someone's asking you for something, and even if you have the ability to do it, doesn't mean that you should. 
all the time. So that, that's a that's a, a totally different issue. Um, you also have, you know, election season coming around the corner, the campaign trail starting to heat up, and and a lot of things become very very political in that respect. And so, you know, we don't know. We don't know the the, the true. Uh, motives behind all of this, but it is interesting to see. It will be interesting to see how all of this plays out, but it's unfortunate that it's playing out um, based on, you know, our pocketbook. Um, The other question I had was about um, uh, Social Security. Uh, There seems to be a couple of things going on with Social Security. One, uh, the request, I guess, in terms of a payback because there were some um, overpayments or additional payments to consumers, and now is, they're being consumers are being asked to pay it back. Um, and then also, too, they've got a new head over Social Security. Uh, so, how do you think that is going to uh, affect uh, the the seniors who are? are heavily dependent on Social Security and the future of yeah, Social Security. So, correct. Uh, I think it is going to more so hurt future Social Security, especially if if those overpayments are, are not pulled back. Now, I don't know. I know that there was initial letters that were sent out and, and requested that the overpayment be given back within 30 days. And, you know, for for many, many individuals, you know, if you're on Social Security, you can't just go back and say, hey, let me give you all this overage that you paid me back um, right. tomorrow. Couldn't they you know, just, that's just not. Couldn't they just, like, decrease payments a little bit? I mean. So, yeah. It, it, so it, it's a to be seen how they're going to. Uh, I think the initial letters was more so of a notice without an expectation that they're going to get a slew of checks to come in and say, hey, this is your money back. Um, but I think that's just the first step. The the, the further steps, I, I think there will be some sort of, of garnishment that will take place and reduce of, of, of wages going forward um, to offset that difference, you know. And mm-hmm. if it's not able to be recovered, um, you know, because when you reduce wages going forward, you're not essentially recovering what you've already paid out. So that balance sheet is still, you know, lower or underwater compared to where it should be or where you want it to be when you're going to uh, issue new payments. So okay, if they're not able wait to... Wait a minute. How, how are you going to tell somebody who's heavily dependent on Social Security... Oh, we need you. I mean, so and then if you're getting Social Security, you're not necessarily getting that much in the first place. Okay, yeah. you know, you're not getting rich off of Social Security. So, how do you expect people who are heavily dependent on Social Security to pay you back? You know, because you know a lot of a lot of times people who are dependent on Social Security are are living, you know, check to check in some cases. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's hard. It's hard. And I, and I think it's. Um, I think for the for the most part, those overpayments, like you said, will come back from you know future deductions, you know that are gonna be coming out of future checks. So you gotta imagine the the burden that that's gonna place on them, you know, in the yeah. future, uh, when you're already on that fixed income. So that's a, that's another catalyst as as well. Um, it's a mess. It really is a mess. It is a mess. It's, it's, it's hard to do. I, I know uh, organizations. But then they're, then they're know, saying, though, the, 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 the COLA uh, cost of living adjustment is going up for 2024. Yeah. So how do you balance that? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, there's, there's a there's – a, uh, I don't know. There's some questions that will have to be answered in that respect. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I I wish the um, new Social Security chief uh, well. I mean, he's nominated right now. I don't think he's he's uh, securely in there. Um, it's the uh, former Maryland governor Governor Martin O'Malley. Uh, mm-hmm. He was nominated in in late July. So, um, 
Yeah, I get. Well, maybe he has been. Yeah, he's been confirmed. Sorry. So. Well, well, good luck. So, got to keep an eye on that, especially you know, because that's a big deal here in Florida, where we have uh, quite a few seniors. You know, are part of driving the, you know a good, great deal of our population here. So. Okay, right. Yeah. 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 Okay, so jobs report. You were talking a little bit about that, um, and and I see where I guess uh, they're showing I guess 150 thousand jobs were added in October mm-hmm. and the un- unemployment rate went up to 3.9%. Um, Correct. What is, what does that mean uh, in terms of job, you know, they're saying that, that cooled 150,000 jobs added, but the thing about it is people were having a hard time filling some of the jobs that were already out there. Right. There, there's, there's been a mismatch of, um, of talent to services, you know, for, for, uh-huh. for some jobs in, in certain sectors. But I think ultimately what this means, and as I mentioned before, um, you had the 51,000 jobs that were in, in government sector, which was a large chunk of it, and 99,000 that were non-farm payroll. That's what gives us the 150. Um, the unemployment rate is kind of more so negligible you know, rising to 3.9 from 3.8. When it rises like that, um, mm-hmm. it's more so just a mathematical rounding that takes place, you know, with the participation rate. Um, mm-hmm. We're not seeing um, mass layoffs or things of that nature. I, I would caveat and say that I am kind of certain that some of this um, may be a little skewed by uh, the uh, – the strikes that we saw recently that were taking place right. during the time that we captured. So there could be, you know, some skew to this number. I, you know, I, for us to look at this and in, in, in the end of November, early December, to see um, the revision that is made to this will be very telling um, to see because um, employment did decline in the manufacturing sector and the report said right. that was strictly due to strike activity. Um, right. So now that that's yeah, I'm, kind I'm, of off the table, uh, we we may see you know a stronger drop growth or more normalized you know drop growth um, in December or in November. But when it's reported in December, and, and what that will do is uh, you know cause the Federal Reserve to say, hey, um, we still need to be ready, we still need to be alert. Um, maybe not necessarily ready, you know, to push the the button and, and raise interest rates again. But, you know, when you have that resurgence of all those that were on strike, you know, right shifting that, that information with seasonal workers that may come into the market um, for the holiday season, um, there may be, you know, some other things uh, that we have to be patient for. Yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm kind of I guess tracking this NewYorkTimes.com report about the economy and everything with the the report just coming out and stuff. Um, of course, and I hate to say it like that, but of course the unemployment rate and stuff for uh, Black and Hispanic workers is is still um, uh, up uh, higher than the average rate or the national rate. Um, uh, they said the unemployment rate, according to this article for black workers, went up slightly in October to 5.8% and 4.8% for Hispanic workers, but for uh, white workers, it was 3.4%. So, Correct. Yeah. 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 And, um, and, and very unfortunate, and I hate to see that large disparity in such yeah. a significant, significant way. Um, but you know, it's, yeah. And I, I, I think bottom line in, in a lot of these cases has to be, um, that you, you know, while you do need to get some sort of job out there, there may be situations where you need to, uh, start your own business or partner up with a, a solid team of people, a quality team of people that you trust and start your start your own business, you know, to kind of discern what what is needed in in terms of 
your community or population or whatever and and start your own business if the you know the right job is not necessarily out there for you you know based on whatever skills you have or or um whatever you can offer because a lot of times there's people out there looking for jobs and and you know no one will train them there may not be a, a training uh platform for them but if you have skills that you can offer in um a service or good that you can offer and are willing to train, that might be of benefit to you. So just my opinion. Yeah, correct. I, I agree with that. Yeah. So, so yeah, you were mentioning government jobs. Um, one of the things that this particular report talks about is, like, the, the big growth of jobs is usually with the federal government, but uh, state and local government not so much because they're having – uh, trouble, I guess, keeping up with uh, wages in terms of uh, being competitive with private sector wages. So. Is that always a problem with government jobs? It, it is always a problem with government jobs. A lot more um, it has a healthier bonus structure. Um, and, and you typically see people shift towards government jobs and and when I say government jobs, that includes you know healthcare to a certain degree as well. You know because you know the VA hospital does employ a large amount of, of medical professionals, um, but they shift towards more of the government jobs when they're looking for stability, when they're in an area or have been um, in and out of different industries or or you know have been uh, downsized you know, multiple times, you know, they look to, to go work for the government. Um, one, the benefits are great. Um, two, the stability is there. Um, and and the, the, the likelihood and the, the ability to have a pension or something to live on when you retire, um, especially if you're of the mindset of many individuals that, you know, Social Security is not going to be there. And if it is, it won't be substantial enough or significant or sufficient enough to, to carry the burden of, you know, inflated living expenses. Um, so, you know, then the government jobs become something that is uh, that is very, very lucrative and, and good to see. You know, I, I do have um, some clients that were former government employees um, in, the, in the financial sector of the government and in the health care sector of the government. They spent their, the balance of their careers there. And I would say they are extremely comfortable and it's been extremely lucrative for them um, to, to maintain those careers and those jobs. Um, so I, I, I always look at my father who uh, served, you know, 20 plus years in the, in the Air Force and mm-hmm. the, the level of comfort that he has now. And, and he, after, even after retiring, he did some other stuff, but the level of comfort he has now um, is all based on, you know, his affiliation, his and his work that he service that he put into the the U.S. government. So yeah, yeah. My father started off. Um, he was in what at the time it was in World War II, the Army Air Corps, um, and uh, he he was only in there for a brief time. But then he uh, and he went in private sector. I guess in I guess you could say government affiliated jobs for a while because he worked at Lockheed Martin and, and what was initially called Radiation, which is now Harris. He worked there and he worked for some other companies out in California that you know did dealt with government you know filled government contracts but then he ended up working with the department of defense later on and retired uh from there and so i think one of the biggest draws for for a government job is the benefits at least at the time that was the major thing in terms of the stability of benefits that they provided um and so that that is always that always has seemed to have been a, a draw for uh, people going, you know, either going into service or taking a government job. Um, but you mentioned healthcare, and this report does say about half, almost half of the, or maybe over half of the um, total jobs that were added, according to this report, um, seventy-seven thousand two hundred jobs were in healthcare and social assistance. So, yeah, yeah, and, and and those are 
you know, honestly, that's a good thing. I, I think that, um, you know, when you're actually looking at a, a lot of the, the BLS information, the Bureau of Labor Statistics, um, mm-hmm. they do not mention leisure and hospitality again this month. And, you know, we had a nice run of leisure and hospitality that was leading the way. But we oh, do yeah. know, although that it is uh, very prevalent locally in our local economy, um, leisure and hospitality does not always in, incur the, the highest paying jobs and the highest wage jobs. No, um, not but at you all. Need, yeah, you do need those jobs there in the economy to, to provide that, that foundation and that footprint um, of spending and, and growth in the economy. But looking at health care, which is a, a, a high paying jobs um, in government, which are typically good paying, high paying jobs as well as social assistance, um, thus, very, you know, very, 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 very telling on how strong and the strength that the economy um, can have going forward. And it's very possible, very, very possible that we um, have skirted a recession. Now, time will still tell to see um, if we're going to see that all infamous soft landing. But the way things are starting to shape up now, the way that you know, um, inflation has been looking to be transitory and not as sticky, um, like Jerome Powell initially said. It's very possible that we could be in in, in store for uh, a soft landing of the economy and not a deep, deep recession. Well, that's good to know. Um, this report also talks about unexpected a, a, growth, I guess, or slight growth in um, construction jobs. Now, that is is kind of a surprise to me right now just because of the fact that we still are dealing with some supply chain issues. You know? Yeah. Um, so I, I was kind of surprised to see that. So what are your thoughts yeah. on that? Yeah, and I wonder I, where I that's happening. I, I can but, um there are certain areas around the country where there's still a lot of um, residential construction that has taken place. Um, but one one thing that I have noticed, um, we're just poking my eyes around there, and I'm sure you see this a lot more than I do and have better insight than I do, but there mm-hmm. are a lot more quick move-in homes, at least what I'm seeing. There's, there's more inventory homes that builders are, are um, with the anticipation that these are, are going to sell, which they, they very well might. But I do remember seeing a, this similar scenario play out to think 2000, you know, five, six, and seven. And some of those, you know, neighborhoods were sitting there um, like Morrison Homes Park sitting there with, you know, 15, 20, and 30 homes on inventory that they built um, when interest rates started to plateau and those homes sat there for a little bit and then they started to decrease in value and then there was other um, things that took place in that. So I, I dare not say that that construction um, increase is, is from net, hopefully not, because I, I don't want us to see a, a repeat of those um, scenarios and mm-hmm. times again, but yeah. it's very possible. Yeah. It's, it's doubtful that, that that's going to happen. Um, I was in a real estate webinar yesterday, and um, okay. they talked a little bit about, um, you know, just it, it's it's different now. They, there was a time, I remember when I first got in real estate, there was times, you know, they, they would build all these homes and then, you know, wait for people to come to try to, to sell them. But now it's, it's a little, the scenario's a little bit different, I think, because, of the like I said, one is the supply chain issues, and and the, and the other thing that was brought up in in uh, the webinar I was in yesterday was uh, labor costs, trying to keep up with labor costs um, to uh, build these these uh, homes and and, other, and buildings. So um, there's a whole a variety of factors, but one of the things I'm thinking too is. It may not just be new construction. Maybe it's, uh, you know, people who have existing homes that are, are needing work done, and so you, you're um, getting more mm-hmm. contractors to work on existing homes because a lot of people who have um, homes right now aren't necessarily trying to sell uh, because 
you know, with the interest rate so high that they're they're not they're you know having some place to go right now with a high interest rate is not necessarily on on their radar. You know, if you if you Correct. were in a home where you paid three percent interest and now you're looking at paying almost eight percent interest um, on on your next home, you're kind of going to want to sit tight. Some people will. Yeah. Anyway, I, I imagine. <laughs> The time snuck up on me. Paul, thanks so much. Look forward to talking to you again soon. Have a blessed weekend. Thanks, you too. And God thank bless. you. God bless. And thank you all for listening. This has been G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Be well, be safe, be blessed. And please remember, all real power comes from God. Take care.